everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mum, and effortless lifestyle coach, Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. And today I've got some amazing news. You can now pre-order your very own version of the Joy of Being book, supporting hardworking mums to stress less and live more. If you're the type of mum who is struggling with the burdens of motherhood or modern day life, then this will be a perfect book for you. If you're curious, you want to know more and you want to see what's up with that book, you can do so at www.marinapearson.com slash order. And there you'll find all the amazing goodies that you'll get if you pre-order the book before the 10th of May. And on today's show, I'm interviewing Jenny Garrett. Jenny Garrett is an executive coach and the author of Rocking Your Role. And as she introduced herself, there was so much more that she can say about who she is. And on today's episode, we talked about... What it is to be the female breadwinner, but also how to actually enjoy it and make it joyful and brilliant. We also discussed what stops female breadwinners from enjoying the journey and society's assumptions around it and how we can break through those assumptions and how it's possible to do what works for you. We also talked about the importance of just checking in with your partner with regards to how they are with it and how it's actually flexible. It doesn't have to stay this way for the rest of your life. It can change. There are chapters. And so what I loved about this conversation was that it opened my eyes to me being a female breadwinner, but also in the interim, it's going to really help you if you are too and you're struggling. So If you are the female breadwinner and you are struggling and you would love to free yourself from this maybe insecurity that you have around being it, then this is going to be an amazing episode for you. Enjoy. So welcome everyone. Today I have the beautiful Jenny Garrett and I'm super excited to talk to her about being the main breadwinners as women. So welcome Jenny. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Marina. I'm very excited and I really appreciate you inviting me on, actually. Oh, thank you. I, I, I appreciate you coming. Um, so I'd love you to introduce yourself. Yes. yes it's an, um, well, so I'm Jenny Garrett. I'm an award-winning executive coach and an author and a speaker, and I run a leadership consultancy. And I've been running my business for about 13 years now. Um, how did I come to do it? I used to work in marketing. I had senior marketing roles and a colleague who's, who came into my office one day and just said, where next? What are you going to do with your life? Um, and I thought, I'm here. I'm doing something with my life. And she said, no, you can do more. Uh, she suggested I start to train people in marketing. And that wasn't something I really that really appealed to me. I was actually a nervous public speaker. It wasn't something I was comfortable doing. And then she said, what about coaching? She said, faculty come into your office on a daily basis. They come away motivated. They come away with actions. Um, and to this day, I think maybe she was flattering me a bit. But I thought, well, well, I could go on a coaching program and I'll have another string to my bow and I'll have something else in my CV. Uh, so I went on this coaching program and like many people who have done so, I came away really 
thinking about myself in a totally different way. I came away um, actually questioning who I was, what I was about, what really motivated me, what was really important to me and what did I really want from life and work. And I decided that coaching conversations were so important they were much more important than creating a glossy brochure. They were much more important than getting bums on seats on courses where I was working at the time. And I just wanted to do more coaching. And my organization were kind of supportive in that they let me do a bit of coaching on some of the programs, but it was, you were employed to be a marketer and this is your job. And uh, I got some coaching myself and my coach helped me to go down to part-time see if people would actually pay me to be a coach, see if people would actually support me uh, in my journey. Um, and uh, within a year, I was freelance and that's yeah, 12 to 13 years ago now. And my journey has gone on from coaching to leadership development to um, writing my book, Rocking Your Role, uh, and continues. And now here I am today speaking with you. Wonderful. And so this is uh, the reason why I invited Jenny on was because I was really intrigued by her book, Rocking Your Role. And being the main breadwinner myself as a woman and a mum, I really wanted to open this conversation up to the floor because I think there's lots of us that do this. And I know that there are certain days when I feel I'm all good with this. This isn't a problem to moments where I feel deeply insecure about it. And it challenges all my paradigms and that's not how it should be. Um, (laughs) So I'm curious about what got you to write the book in the first place, actually. Was it because you were living that way? Had you seen other women living that way? What, 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 what had you start there? Yeah, it was an article. You know, when you, you, you start Googling and you end up somewhere you didn't expect to be. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to me. <clears throat> I was Googling, ended up here at some research written by an Australian woman uh, on female breadwinners who were nurses. And I just thought, oh, female breadwinners. That's me, actually. This is, I had never thought about it before. I realized that it really resonated. I was the main earner and had been ever since starting my my business. My husband, who'd been an accountant, decided to follow his passion and start working with disaffected young people. So not a big issue. We were both working, but suddenly my salary was the larger one. And some of the stories in this research that I read just made me think, yeah, okay, this is real. This is real for these women. This is real for me. How comes I've never had a conversation about it? Me and my friends and my clients talk about, I think, everything. But something we don't seem to talk about was being the main earner. And women do talk a lot. (laughs) But it was just one of those things we didn't talk about. And I thought, wow, okay, why are we not having this conversation? And I rang my old university and I said, oh, you said one day come back and do a PhD. I think I'm going to do it in female breadwinners. And they said to me, oh, it will take four to seven years part time. And I thought, who's got four to seven years? Not me. I need to do something now. I've got a bit of a hurry up driver. I wanted to get something. I wanted to write something now. I wanted to talk about this now. And I thought what I would do was write a blog. So I sent some messages out on social media. I'm a big fan of social media and just said, have you been the main earner? And if so, how did you feel about it? And one of the messages stays with me. It was an American woman. And she said, I was the main earner for three years. And those were dark days in my life. And I thought, 
dark days in your life. It shouldn't be. shouldn't be that actually something so good as you being able to earn money for your family should be the worst time of your life. It shouldn't be how you think about it. And that's when I thought, I'm going to do some more research about this and I'm going to, I'm going to write an article. But when I got the research back, there was so much information, so many stories that needed to be told. It ended up being a book. So that was my journey into it, really. It was the first realization that no one's talking about this to when I did ask people about it, them having really negative feedback and them feeling that that was a terrible time in their life. Uh, and me thinking, well, I've got something to bring to this, which I, I think can turn that around, that we can look at this in a much more positive way and celebrate it. So why was nobody talking about it? Did you ever get to the bottom of that? I think it's a taboo subject. I think women can't talk, uh, women don't talk about their money in their relationship. Um, alongside it comes guilt resentment, shame for both parties in a, re- in a relationship. You know, as a woman, actually, I'm a bit guilty because I'm taking your position. You're supposed to be the main, main earner. Or I'm resenting you because you're supposed to be the main earner. Or isn't this embarrassing? You're supposed to be the main earner. And from the man's perspective, I'm guilty. I'm supposed to be the main earner. A main earner. Oh, I'm resenting you because you've taken my role. I'm embarrassed. If my friends know or my family know, they're going to laugh at me or, or you know, jive uh, me, jive me because of it. So those are the real emotions at the bottom of it. Actually, guilt, resentment, shame, hold us back from having these very important conversations and bringing it to the fore as something that's very, very current. Um, when I first wrote the book, uh, it was one in um, one in five women that were the main earner. Mm. Uh, one in five mums were the main earner. Now it's one in three. That's wow. according to some IPPR research. So one in three uh, women, mothers, are the equal or main earner in their relationships now. It's really risen. Um, so it's, it's not as if it's not happening, but it's definitely something that we don't talk about enough. So what's been your insight into um, into the main reason why women find it negative to be the main breadwinner? Is it because they feel responsible? Is it because it challenges their paradigm or the way that they, because it's so ingrained. Like I often have this conversation with my mentor about this where, um, it seems to be so ingrained in our society that men, the way to look after women is through providing, right? So that's how it's been for Yonkey's years. He went out to mm. hunt, he brought back the food and she cooked it, you know, back mm. in the caveman time. So I'm curious about that. Is it because it, it sort of defies caveman times. <laughs> yes. Well, I think even that's a bit of an illusion. I think all of this is a bit of a lie we've told ourselves. So when awesome. I was doing my research into <laughs> families, um, there are many tribes where the woman uh, is the hunter gatherer and the man was at home getting everything ready for when they came to do the cooking. So even all of that stuff, how real is it that we've been told it's, you know, 2.4 children, man, you know, man brings home the bacon, woman cooks the bacon. I, I think we've been sold a bit of a fairy tale um, that didn't exist for most, it hasn't existed for a lot of people in a lot of lives, actually. Um, there have been so many families where, uh, over the years, where that hasn't been the case, um, where the, the man has been the main earner, but where they still keep up that 
that um, facade that that's the case. Um, and I think the problem is that it hasn't been real, but because we've been told it's real and because um, uh, we've kept that story going, we believe it. I'm not saying that there are no families where the man is the main earner at all. I mean, there are a high percentage, but I'm saying there's a whole another high percentage of uh, different stories that just haven't been told. But I think it's a lot around assumptions. I can think of so many examples. You know, I still go to a restaurant with my husband. Who did the waiter give the bill to? Always him. Oh, you know, that's so always interesting. Him. Yeah. And, and what do you do? You know, do you slide the credit card on the table and say, oh, you, you tap it out or you, you pay for it? Or do you make a joke or say, oh, you make up a scenario. Oh, it's his birthday. I'm treating him. And then, you know, not go back again because it can't be his birthday every month, you know. So, so, or do you say, actually, I'm taking, I'm paying. And what does that say? And how does that make the other person feel? Um, so there's, you know, there's that kind of thing. And also just a woman's experience. I know that as a female breadwinner, sometimes we don't know how to act, what the best way to behave is and, and we can make mistakes. So I can definitely tell you that being the main earner in the beginning, I was making decisions with my money. You know, I was kind of, oh, we're doing this and it's my money and I'm making decisions about it. That's not, that's not what you it's do in so a relationship. Right. You know, that's, not, really that's not what you're supposed to do, is it? But it was my money and I was making decisions. And there are case studies in my, in my book of women, um, a woman, it was like, do we renovate the house or do we put the money into my pension? She was like, well, I'm working and I want it in my pension because actually I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And us having, you know, owning these decisions, but not knowing if that's the right way to go about it, not being sure of our role and how we do this um, breadwinning thing. Because actually, we haven't really been taught to do that. We've been really taught how to be uh, the person at home who receives a bit of housekeeping. Um, you know, that's the story we've been told. Um, so, th- so there's a lot there to unpack in this. Um, and assumptions. I remember my mother-in-law, sadly she's passed away now, coming to our home. Oh, you've got a new kitchen. Oh, you've done this to the garden. Patting my husband on the back. Well done. <laughs> I'm thinking, what, what do you think I was doing? Yeah, do you think this all came from nowhere? What do you think? Why? I'm going out to work every day, actually. You know, where is this coming from? So all of the assumptions around you and people who are working in jobs, um, employed, so many times your boss, even if it's a female boss, assumes that you're just, your money is to give a little bit of uh, pin money into the home to pay for the treats, not to pay for the essentials or not really the main income in the home. So there are these assumptions that are all around us, stories, assumptions, and we're combating them on a daily basis. And sometimes it's easier not to confront that, not to say, yeah, I'm the main earner. Actually, you give me the bill or actually mother-in-law, it was me who did this because how does that make the other person feel? And how can you do that in a polite way uh, that, that is, is okay for everyone? I love this conversation. I don't think I've actually had a conversation about this. Mm. Really. Mm. Um, with another, well, actually, apart from my mentor, actually behind closed doors. Yes. But, um, this is such a breath of fresh air mm. and, and, you know, it reminds me of the other night when my, um, my partner and I went and had dinner and the guy came out with some roses Ah. and he looked at my partner mm. and I said, I, and my partner said, do you want one? You know, I want to give it to you. And I said, sure. And um and the guy looked at him for the money and I got my first out and I gave it to him. <laughs> Fantastic. 
was so shocked. He was like, yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. And this, you know, why, why should he have to pay for a rose for you? Why, why is he looking to you? And why is this, all of this happening? And who taught it to us? Um, Who taught that it has to be like this? You know, I think we can reinvent our fairy tales, but I think we do ourselves a disservice that, you know, I remember all of the stories growing up. The prince was coming on his white horse to rescue me. Uh, you know, that's what we're being taught. So when when we are doing the rescuing or when we are equally rescuing each other, that's not how the story was told to us. And so it can be difficult. It, you know, it can be really, really difficult to kind of compute that and think this is okay. And then there are other things culturally. You know, I've been talking to some groups recently, um, uh, groups in Africa and other countries where actually, you know, it is um, a patriarchy. It's a really strong one. And actually, if the woman is the main earner, there's research has shown that there's an increase in domestic violence. You know, them wow. taking the man's role. You're, why are you doing it? When actually they're doing something fantastic. They're bringing food into the home. They're paying for electricity, all of these things, but they are receiving abuse as a result of it. One of my first interviews was um, on Radio 4 and they had an author, Tony Parsons, on it. Mm, and he yeah. said, he said, I'd rather someone cut off my penis than actually me be supported by a woman. He said, I'd rather go to a job I hate day in and day out than be supported by a woman. He said, my dad did a job he hated all his life. And that's what men should do. So, you know, when you're confronted by those very ingrained, strong views from people. <laughs> what, did, what did you, you say? understand why it's difficult. Um, actually, I, I, I can't actually remember what I said. <laughs> the interview is somewhere. But... You know, I talked about the about actually happiness. Your your whole podcast is about joy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, why can't men do things that make them happy, and women do things that make them happy? And often, if men did more jobs that made them happy, they might be nicer people. That more relationships would last. And sometimes the things that make them happy don't bring in a lot of money. You know, sometimes you're a musician or a primary school teacher or um, your job is uh, you're, you're an artist and that means you sell one piece and you make some money, but then you don't make any money for a while. Or perhaps you are the person who should be at home because not all women are great at home with their children. They really are not. And, um, you know, another myth that that's exactly what we should be doing. We were made to do that. Well, not for everyone. Not for everyone. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, it's funny. Um, we've got three cats and a dog. Okay. Yeah, and, um, my partner just, you know, he identifies like they're our fur babies, right? So yes. he identifies with the fact that that's his role. He looks after mm. the fur babies. Mm. So I go off and travel and, um, and do what I need to do. My son is with my ex in the States. So okay. I, I'm kind of in a place where... Um, I need to go and get him now, but, um, you know, I do travel quite a bit, but I know rest assured that he's all good with being at home, looking after the fur babies and making sure that the house is looked after. He's a painter and decorator. So he basically paints the house when it needs it and adds value there. Yeah. So while he, you know, he may get a few jobs here and there, really where the value is added is in looking after the home and, 
you know, we rent out the rooms downstairs and sometimes we get people when I'm not here. So he looks after that too. Yes. So value doesn't, value exchange doesn't necessarily need to look like how much you earn. There seems to be, um, a lot of focus on that Mm. as opposed to what each of you are bringing to the table. And one necessarily is one is supporting the other person so they can actually spend more time earning the money. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is a partnership? I think one of the things is what do you bring to the relationship? You do need to bring something, (laughs) you know, so you need to bring something to the relationship. But as you said, that could be that you are the person. I, I had a lovely example, actually. I did a talk a while back and the man was a stay at home dad. And he said, I see myself as the McLaren pit stop. She comes in, I polish her up, I change her tires and off she goes. He was clear on his role. And I thought, yeah, brilliant. And he said it in a very, that's a macho metaphor, isn't it? You know, Uh, but he said it and I thought, exactly, you know what you're bringing to the relationship and she really values it. She knows she'll come home, the house will be sorted, her food will be, you know, her dinner will be ready. You'll you'll sort her out with the things that she needs and she goes off again to do what she's doing in her role. And and, And he brought value to that relationship. If she came home and the house was a complete mess, nothing had been done, he was saying, what are you going to do? Are you going to cook the dinner? And actually, gosh, don't you know that the bathroom needs cleaning and you know there's bills to pay? Then actually, what would he be bringing? So it, we ha- a part, it's a partnership, it's a relationship, but you have to know what each of you bring um, and complement each other. I think you've really hit um, a nail on the head here, which is actually to have a conversation about roles. Mm. And I, and I, and I guess complications arise when you're both not very clear on the roles that you're actually playing. Mm. Um, and so it, but like in anything, right, like in a team or in a, in, in a, in a job, um, if you're, nobody's really clear on what they're up to, it's going to get a bit messy because it's like, I thought you were doing that. No, no, no. You were doing that. No, no. Hang on a second. (laughs) Absolutely. And it changes as well. You know, the longer you're you're in a relationship for a long time, those roles can change. And so it's almost like, you know, a regular recontracting because yeah, right now you're not the main earner. I'm sorry, you are the main earner, but things could change, uh, you know, you know, and, and I think it's a constant recontracting and rehaving conversations. According to the research, the things we don't talk about as couples, money, household chores and in-laws. And we don't do that because those are the things that are going to make us have arguments. They're most likely to be emotive and we have arguments. But actually, you need to have conversations about money and roles and what it is I do and how that's working. And is that making you happy? Um, because actually, you know, sometimes it's, it's not making you happy and, and you have to decide, okay, if it's not making me happy. How am I going to change it? Or what needs to happen for it to make me happy? Um, and so you, you need to agree these things. Uh, there are some dangers here as well. So there are women I've met who their partner has said, I'm happy to stay at home, uh, you know, be a stay at home husband, maybe with children, whatever. And, and they've gone, yeah, but almost thought, I dare you to do it. You won't survive it. You won't like it. And then the husbands have loved it. And they're like, oh, I didn't really want this. So you have to be careful when you agree to a role, you know, that actually you really want it to be the case as well. So it's not just talking about the roles. It's really thinking them through, thinking through the implications, thinking if you really want the person to have that role. Um, Is it temporary? Is it forever? 
Are we going to are we going to review it? Yeah, all of these conversations need to be had. But what's clear is is they need to be had. They definitely and, need to be had. And yeah. um, I remember watching. I don't know if it was Finland or Iceland, one of those countries where um, the majority of men sit are at home looking after the kids. Mm. And yes. they were being, yeah. they were being interviewed by someone around that, and they were all saying, you know, how they were just over the moon um, in terms of being able to to be at home mm. to meet up to look after their kids. Mm. And it was just really cool because it just, once again, flies in the face of this fantasy that we have and this illusion that we have of how it should be. Mm. And then beat ourselves up about how it is. Yes. As opposed to just going with what is and just making the most of the situation that is at hand at that moment. Absolutely. I I think men have had a bit of a raw deal, to be honest, where they haven't even had permission to even say, I'd like to go to, uh, you know, the school play. I'd like to be more involved at home. I'd like to be home for the, for bedtime. They haven't had permission to ask, which is why parental leave is not being taken up very well in the UK. So now we have parental leave, not just maternity leave. And lots of men aren't taking it up because they think it's going to go against them. So even when you're offered the space and opportunity, men are, men are still not taking it because they feel that, that bias against them, which is, why would you do that? Why are you going to take an extra two weeks? Um, that's not your role. That shows you're not committed. And so the, there is a lot there for men, which, um, which says, actually, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and even men tell me when they, you know, once their partner is the higher earner. And so they are the ones who, if their child's ill or their elderly relatives poorly, that they need to go because actually the other role is bringing in more of the money that their boss will say to them, well, why can't your, you know, why can't your partner go? Why is it you? You know, there's an assumption that would always be the woman. So we have a double bind when we are the main earner because actually, we are the main earner, but usually the main carer as well. Um, and, you know, if that's elderly relatives, if that's children, if that's pets, whatever, people are always assuming that, oh, the woman, you know, why isn't she doing it? You know, that's, that's her role. And so we take on another role as, as main earner or breadwinner, but we often still have all of the other roles on our shoulders at the same time. If someone comes to your home and it's in a bit of a mess, for example, they'll probably look to you even though your partner is the person who, you know, maintains your home and say, oh, you know, why is the washing up there? You know, she's not doing a good job, is she? When, when actually, what's it got? Why would it be your role to do the washing up? Um, so there, there's so much there in terms of bias and assumptions that still is with us all. And we need to challenge. It's not just with men, it's with women too. You know, we have a bias about women's roles. We are tougher on other women. When they have, when they hold senior roles as well, um, there's a, there's a lot that we need to unpack and work through and challenge ourselves around. But what I'm really hearing in this conversation is that we're actually going through a transition, maybe yes. in 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 sort of the more sort of first world countries, because as you said, there are tribes that yes. where the women go out and do their thing. Yes, but we are in a bit of transition, and I guess we're attempting just to figure it out because there still is the shame, as you said. Mm. And you were saying too that we're like, okay, so 
we don't have any role models. How do we do this? Mm. We're, we're attempting to figure it out. Mm. And then, you know, we're, then we've got cultures, right? So yes. life isn't about people staying in the same place, um, in the same space as they used to. Um, you've got people traveling all over, people from Latin America coming over to Europe and maybe getting involved in with, with that sort of culture. That culture is definitely patriarchal where that person goes out and earns the money and then mm-hmm. brings it in and so forth. So I guess it really is about what works, right? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Person as opposed to kind of, this is how it is. This is society. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Working out what works for you and then not listening to all of that. You should, <laughs> you should. There's, um, oh, I've forgotten the author now. It's an amazing woman, an American woman. And she writes in her book, should is, should be, is a four letter word. S H U D like a swear word that should, you know, you should, you should be in a relationship that looks like this. <clears throat> you should be doing that. Your life should be like this. Um, you know, and often it's the closest people to us sometimes, family and um, close friends who kind of telling you how your life should be. Um, and that is really dangerous because no one's walking in your shoes. You know, the life, um, you know, parents had, the life friends have, it's different to you. Um, And it's about you crafting the life that you want. And the funny thing is, whenever you do craft the life you want, you give permission for other people to do the same. And that's so important because the more, um, I can tell you, when I first wrote my book, I felt quite vulnerable. I was opening Mm -hmm. up my life, uh, a bit of my relationship to the world. And every time someone opened my book at the book launch, I was like, oh my gosh, they've reached into my soul here. They know, they know stuff about me. But how liberating was it to be vulnerable and then to see so many other people say, yeah, we don't talk about this. Yeah. Just be at my launch. And I say, how many people here are female breadwinners and women to put their hands up? And for me to know, that's probably the first time they've ever put their hand up. Mm. The first time they've ever talked about it and how liberating that was for them. And so there is something about actually ditching the shoulds and I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do ditching the shoulds and actually saying this is how I want my life to be but knowing as a result it really helps other people not just yourself it helps you too yeah um what I heard in that too was me too as in when you're able to express what other people are thinking um and not expressing it Mm. brings about permission to talk about it and to put something on the table that has been totally put underneath the carpet because it's not something that we want to talk about. Um, so if somebody is listening in and going, okay, fine. So I'm the main breadwinner. Um, and I struggle with that. Hmm. I really struggle with that. And although there are moments that I see clearly like what, what value the other person brings, it still rubs up against, my fantasy that I have of mm. being looked after and um, having the main breadwinner be the man. What would you say to that? What have you, because maybe, maybe it is not being able to see the benefits of being, being the main breadwinner. What have you seen around mm. that? I think definitely there's something about actually what brings you joy in your life and what is, and what is good and what are you grateful for? I think. <clears throat> 
coming from that place, first of all, is a really important thing to do. So it might not be what you fantasized about, but actually what is really great about it. And there'll be some fantastic things. There'll be actually, you can, you actually have your own money and independence. Um, you actually are in control of quite a lot of things in your life, which lots of people aren't. Um, and actually, hopefully you enjoy the way that you make money. Um, because I think if earning is a big part of your life, finding a way to enjoy earning, I think is really key. But there are probably lots of other things. It might be I'm escaping some of that family life that I don't really like doing anyway, you know. So, it, but find your, find your joy and your gratitude around it, I think is one of the first things to do. The other is there are rules that we live our lives by but that often are not our own. Okay. So, um, and they make us feel guilty typically. Um, so guilt is a list of rules that we create that we've decided we can't break. Yeah. And, and there'll be, you know, um, a, a good, a good daughter does this. A good wife does this. Um, a good colleague does that, whatever they are. But most of the time they're absolute load of rubbish. They're someone else's. Hmm. rules. There's someone else's guidance for their life. And I think find out what those rules you're living your life by are that are making you feel bad about your life. Rip them up and write your new rules for the life that you are living and that you want to live. Um, And once you do that, you'll be free from so much stuff because it's everybody else's stuff. It's not your rules. It's not the way that you want to live your life. And and the third thing is you do need that. You know, if you're really unhappy in this relationship that you're in, you need to have a conversation about it. You need to have a conversation about your role as main earner, uh, about how it makes you feel, about how it makes your partner feel, about whether this is short-term, long-term, about what it means for the two of you, okay? If if you can't see in 10 years' time that you being happy because actually you don't want to, really don't want to be the main earner and that's, what, what does your partner need to do? Do they need to requalify and, and, and take their turn being the main earner? You know, you're happy to do it for a while, but actually, actually in five years time, do you want to see them taking up the reins? Do you want to be pulling back? And what does that look like for the two of you? How can you make that happen? Or do both of you, you know, do you want to do some other kind of, do you want to do property development or something like that when neither of you will need to earn in the future because you've got this nest egg? So you need to plan for the future that you want, but you need to start talking about it now. Because the longer you don't talk about it, the longer you're like the people I meet who say, I wish I'd read your book before I got divorced. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I get a lot of that. <laughs> I wish I'd have that, had that conversation. I, I, we didn't. We didn't talk. We got angry. It got worse. We split up. Um, and that's what happens. So the communication is key, even if it's painful, even if it's difficult. And it's not just one conversation. It's an ongoing series of conversations to get to where you want to go. Um, it, it never is one conversation. Let's tie it up in a pretty bow and we're done. It's an ongoing series. And it might be I broach this topic um, and then I let it go because it's a bit too sensitive. But then I broach it again and I keep broaching it until we get somewhere with it and we move forward with it. I'm getting really emotional. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, what I what I heard in that was just it doesn't the, because uh, interestingly enough, this is a topic that uh, is a bit of a ro- red hot chili pepper in in our mm-hmm. relationship, and mm-hmm. 
truth be told, this is a very selfish podcast episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. It's your, you, you own it. You're in control of it. Yeah. Why not? And I wanted to get more clarity around this for me. Mm. Um, so what I really heard in that is it is an ongoing conversation. I, I had just assumed that it was a pretty bow. There we go. Have the conversation. You either have it, you don't. And it's not, it's a conversation that, that it's just checking in. Where are we both right now with this? Are you having a bad time with this? If you are, what could we do about that? And um, it's just getting curious about each other's worlds, which really it comes down to once again, more love and understanding mm. regardless of the topic actually mm. regardless of whether it is money regardless of whether it is sexuality regardless of whether it is um who's going to do the groceries today and um you know it's interesting um hearing you talk what came to mind was um i had a massive insight into my money story years ago when I was an, I inherited money, which is basically I was given an estate to manage, and I don't have a rags to riches story actually. Mm. So unfortunately, anybody okay. that was waiting for that one, <laughs> it's not going to happen because mm. I had it. Never really had that issue, but the challenge I was having was actually not really understanding money, mm. and um, then given this massive responsibility, it was huge, and I I actually wanted to give it away. Like mm. there was a lot of what the fuck am I doing with this? I have no idea. I, I don't trust myself. There was, there was a big learning curve to happen because in, in my family, and I don't know if anybody can relate that's listening, my dad had, he was really tight. Mm-hmm. And so he invested a lot of his money, but that didn't really leave much money for my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she decided she was going to earn money too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they ever had the conversation, but mm. she worked her fucking butt off, mm. but not happily, you know, mm. it was getting up at five o'clock in the morning. It was like push, 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 mm. just to be able to buy me clothes. Mm. And so when he passed away, that money was a representation for me where that mm. was never actually enjoyed. It was yeah. squirreled away. And it was such a huge, it felt like it's such a huge responsibility on my shoulders. And anyway, I then had this epiphany that I was walking around with my dad's money story. Mm. And I'd never seen it that clearly before because I felt totally guilty for having this money and was really worried I was going to lose it. Um, and so I had to invest it all. Mm. And then one, one, one very fortunate month, I didn't have enough money to pay my bills because it was all invested. Mm. And then I thought, oh crap, this money story isn't working for me anymore. Oh crap, it's my dad's money story. It's not mine. What what could mine be instead? And it was this weird experience of space that showed up where all of that thinking just dropped away. Mm. all of that blah, 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 just stopped. Mm. And in its place was the spaciousness that then the question showed up was, um, what's your money story going to be? What would you love that to be? How would you love it to look like? And then I realized 
it's not fixed, as you were pointing out earlier mm. on. It's actually something we can experiment with, mm. right? Like if we're making it up as we go along, which is basically what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's what we're doing for our whole lives. <laughs> Why don't just we have fun with it and experiment? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what have you seen mm. in terms of women who have become like who are very conscious about it, like mm. shame, f- shameful that this isn't right. I'm looking for the story, you know, the prince coming in on his white horse. What have you seen in terms of transformations around that for them? Mm. I think often it's a, a, a lot of letting go. Uh, I think the first Not thing really. is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the first thing is, do you, do you want to, do the things that make you the main earner. Yeah. So if you, you know, if you really love your job and you're traveling around the world and you're doing all these things and you really enjoy it, those are the things that make you the main earner. Do you want to continue doing them? Yeah. So are they making you happy? If they are, um, cause that's the first thing. Is it, is it actually an enjoyable life? So mm-hmm. that, you know, the work life, um, and if it is, then it's also a process of letting go, I found. Actually, what can I just trust my partner to do? What can I entrust them to do? Am I still holding on to a lot of, of a role that isn't mine? Um, and, and what is the, the process for doing that? And what's the worst that could happen, actually? What's the risk in doing that to me? Because... Typically, there isn't such a huge risk. Typically, when you start letting go, there's not a, you're holding on to things. There isn't a reason to hold on to those things. It's often because other people have told you you should be holding on to those things or you think that as a woman, I should be holding on to these things or whatever they are. And it's actually, how can I start to let them go? Um, and how does it feel to let them go? I talk about it in my book as you're carrying around a, a massive handbag full of stuff, bricks, I think of it as. Actually, if you take that handbag laden with bricks off your shoulders, how much better does that feel? Why have you been carrying it around? Because everyone said you should. Mm. Everyone's telling you you should, but there's no other reason. You're not about to build a wall. You don't need these bricks. And if if you do need to pick them up again, you can find them. They're everywhere. So actually, how can I start to let go? And often it's a trusting, it's about trusting the person you're in this relationship with. Mm. And it's about deciding who does what as well. Actually, you know, people often think because you're the main earner, you should be the money manager. Sometimes your partner's the better money manager, actually. You know, are you taking on the main earning role and also doing other stuff that you don't even like doing because you think it comes with the role? Um, sometimes it is right to be you. Sometimes it's not. So it's about actually taking a step back and just thinking, what can I ditch? Because actually I'm this main earner and I'm also a hundred other things and I don't need to be. I don't, every bit of responsibility in the world doesn't have to be on my shoulders alongside that. So what can the other person help me with? What do I need them to help me with? And what do I need them to understand? One of the things a woman in the book said to me, um, who was also a client, she said to me, my husband says, thank you. He says, thank you. We wouldn't go on this holiday if 
it, we, if you weren't, if you weren't this person, we wouldn't have this house if you weren't this person. And I remember when she said it, it really resonated with me because I thought, well, has my husband said thank you? And I actually spoke to him about it. And I said, I, you're really encouraging. He's a, my husband's really encouraging in a way, which is like, go for it. You've got this opportunity, go for it. But sometimes that makes me feel like, am I just a workhorse? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I just a workhorse? Yeah. yeah, go for it. This will be great for you, blah, blah, blah. And I know he's not doing it because of that. He's just being encouraging supporter. But for me, it can feel like you're just encouraging me to work and work and work. That's, you know, actually, I, I need more than that. And when I said it to him, he was like, oh, I do say thank you. I was like, no, I don't need you to just be thank, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. But actually, yeah, thank you. We're in this position because, yeah, you are in this role. And it was a bit of a light bulb moment in our relationship. You know, the whole, the whole process of doing this was, but it was like, yeah, I need you to actually rec- to say what you do creates a positive impact for us all. I need you to say it sometimes. Yeah. Oh my God. I had the same conversation with my partner yesterday. Mm. And, mm. and, you know, sometimes the thank you is I'm doing you a favor mm. and the ego gets in the way mm. and is like, well, I don't want you to do me a favor. Like I'm not here. I'm not charity, you know, like mm. that sort of stance mm. as opposed to, wow, thanks. Like, this is so yeah. cool. You know, yeah. like, Coming from yeah. energy, yes. Not, not. Oh my god! Like, not what you've created. This is yeah. awesome. I'm having a great time. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And that's where it should be. That kind of that higher level of yeah. Thanks. Wow. Just an accept. Like, and I, it's interesting because I said to him, I need to hear it. Yeah. Like, to me, it's yeah. not that I need you to be. Um, like submissive on this it's not no. like coming from a place of you owe me no it's it's not coming from that place it's coming from a place of are we good like we're checking in like mm. is this working for you yes like the, are you appreciating this situation like is it something that that lights you up is it not it's more of going back to this thing of loving and understanding again I think yes yeah loving understanding appreciating appreciating I think it's the yeah I think that's a big part of it uh, and I, I think that's it's really important and it, it, appreciation works both ways it does uh, yeah but I, I definitely think when you're in this you role receive it right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly yeah mm. yeah and so <clears throat> I guess this is kind of cool in terms of if 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 there are um, kids involved, right? Because obviously they see re- reverse. Mm. But, but but I imagine that this is something in this day and age, as you said, it's growing. So we're in an upward trend, and we're in a shift, and we're mm. in a transition, and so it's at some point. I'm assuming that this will no longer be a thing. This will be just, well, that's how it is. Yes. Yeah. I hope so. But it's taking a long time. And I've had women send me messages before, like, why do we need to talk about this? This is not an issue. But then I have people saying to me, this is a big issue. And I can tell you, if you go to any primary school playground, and there's very few dads picking up their children, 
And the dads who are there, most of the time, don't feel so comfortable. And there's very few dads at playgroup. And there's very, very few men who do the caring for elderly relatives. Um, and people ask questions. They, they are questioning. Are they out, you know, for the man? Is he out of work? Or what does he do with himself? You know, and they, they question that so much more than they would if it was a woman. So there is something about how do we make this more acceptable and okay for men? How do we not make them feel um, that it's difficult um, and they shouldn't be in that position? Because the more we help them to be in it, the more the women in that position will feel more comfortable as well. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, like, how, what, what, have you discovered the answer to that? I haven't really discovered the answer to that, actually. I've had, um, over the years, quite a few men come and find life really difficult, find it difficult when the children are growing up and they need to go back to work. Like, how do they get back into the workplace? How do they explain what they've been doing when they've been doing a fantastic role at home? Um, how do they, because what happens is they are either, exotic isn't he amazing he looks after his children he's the most fabulous person oh he plays with his children oh he's changed a nappy whoa you know it's all of that nonsense which is absolutely not you know or it's oh why why you know why why is he doing it you know we don't trust him you know yeah is it yeah is there a problem and so there there's a lot more to do and i think um you know, men building a community and women engage and encouraging and supporting men in these roles. I haven't found the solution. I know that in like London, for example, when I've spoken to women, they say, well, it's a bit bigger community of uh, stay-at-home dads or nannies or whatever. There's more of a community of a mixture of people. Uh, so it's a bit more acceptable. But then you go out to places, you know, not as diverse as London and, and you become very rare and um, unusual and it's difficult and it's isolating. Mm. Yeah. What, it, what, mm. what occurs to me is, you know, I did a values um, exercise with, mm. with one of my mentors recently and mm. it kind of occurred to me that this, this might be a really great thing to do with, with partner because, of course, mm they might discover that they're disgruntled, right, with the fact that they might have to do this and blah, blah, blah. But then actually when they realize that there is, it's what they find important. So looking after the home, making sure Mm. the dogs and cats are fine, uh, you know, making sure that everything like that is looked after once they actually see, oh, actually this is what I value. Yes. As opposed to this is what I'm being told to do. Mm, yes. It can shift. Yes. The yeah. way we see it. Because I don't value staying at home with the dogs and the cats. I no. just value it. Mm. I value the work I do. I value um, the, I value a house that's in order. Mm. Um, and while there are some things that I do do like declutter shit because most mm. of it is my son's because of mm. my partner isn't, you know, his dad. Mm. Um, there are certain things that I actually don't mind doing at all. Like the decluttering side of it. It's, it's, yeah. it's no biggie for me, but, but there are other things that I really like picking up the dog poo. Like I really mm. don't <laughs> want to spend my time. Doing that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> 
Yeah. But yeah. it can be quite a controversial topic. Well, yeah. you've got a dog. That's your responsibility, surely. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I did it once and I said, you know what? I'm either going to hire somebody to do this or darling. Yes. Yeah. Really supporting me mm. and our environment if you did it. Yes. We had a bit of a moment. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the fact is that in your job, you're going to have to do some things you don't want to do. True. Absolutely. You know, it's not every minute, every minute is not, you know, yeah. uh, you know, a party in, for every, in, in anyone's life. Every job has some bits, you don't, you know, some, you might not have, to, you might have to do some admin, you might have to do some whatever that you don't want to do, but you do it. And that's the, that's every role. Yeah. There'll be joy in that. I love that. I love that. Mm. That is so true. And we often think that actually the grass is green and the other person has yeah. it better, but actually that's not true. I have to sit for hours going through our finances yeah. um, and, you know, writing down and tracking the numbers. And, yeah. you know, sometimes I don't want to do that. Sometimes I do. It just depends on the day. Um, but Jenny, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Um, I think if you are the main earner uh, and you're a woman, you really need to look after yourself. I think that's really oh, yeah. focus on your well-being. It's yeah. so important. Uh, you know, we give. We give a lot in lots of different directions. You'll give to your clients. You'll give to your partner. You'll give, um, you know, even though your son's not here, you're probably giving to him virtually. You know, you're giving. If we don't take a step back and just think, what do I need for me? We can't main earners mm. and everyone suffers mm. yeah not just you know we think people are going to suffer if we can't give everything to them they suffer if we don't give to ourselves so this is so important it's not selfish uh, you know to have some me time it's not it's it actually it's selfish not to find your space whatever that is a drink with your girlfriends a wonderful bubble bath a walk on your own a retreat whatever it is mm. find some space and give back to you. And then you can be resourceful enough to keep going. But I think particularly for women, when they're the main earner, you need to carve out that time. Men are great at finding hobbies and things like that. You know, they go, they, they always have a hobby. They always find the time to escape <laughs> the, the, the stuff. Women, they, we're not so good at that. And actually find some space and find some me time and just actually give something back to you and make that a ritual, make that regular. So that's my biggest piece of advice. Love it, Jenny. Um, I'm totally down with that. It's mm. a new dis- it, would be, it was a new discovery for me about a year ago. Mm. And now, um, what do you do? I, I go for massages and yes. I see a kinesiologist twice a month just to make sure that my body's in balance and I go to yoga I take the dog for the walk sometimes and I go and I sing in a rock choir wow oh you've got some great things going on yeah that sounds brilliant mine are a bit more sedate they're um there's something I love to do is go into a flotation tank have you done oh, that beautiful yeah and just it just slows everything down it just mm-hmm. I think an hour in a flotation tank for me is like 24 hours of sleep it's just like I'm refreshed I come out and I'm just clear and I'm just yeah. refreshed and actually I'm slower and that's a good thing mm. to think more slowly to to talk more slowly to be just to be, <laughs> to be yeah. yeah so that is my my thing that I love to do on a regular basis and I also organize retreats that I enjoy myself so I have two retreats a year and I actually actually really benefit from that space as well 
Yeah, we do. And I, I, I've got to say, when I do work with my clients, I benefit from it too. And even this podcast, this is mm-hmm. for me like my well-being, my well-being hour. Um, so my lovely, how, if somebody wants to hang, you know, carry on the conversation or get in touch with you, how can they do that? So my website is jennygarrett.global and Garrett is G-A-R-R-E-T-T. That's the best way to get in contact with me. So yeah, jennygarrett.global and yeah, lots of ways to contact me as when you go through there. And social media, Coach Jenny Garrett or Jennifer Garrett. You'll find me on those handles. Thank you so much, Jenny. It's been an absolute pleasure and I have enjoyed this immensely. And then I said... This is a very selfish episode because I wanted to deepen my understanding of this role. Um, And I hope it's been beneficial for those of you that have actually listened to it today. Until the next time. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. And there we have it. Another amazing episode of The Joy of Being. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may well enjoy the book as well. You can either download a free chapter, www.marinapearson.com slash chapter where I go into much more depth into how we can create more time and space as mums and if that doesn't fly and you're more curious about getting the entire book then you can do that too at www.marinapearson.com slash pre-order there you'll find a page with all the amazing goodies that you'll get if you pre-order it before the 10th of May so until next week's episode remember you are the joy you seek <laughs>